Grumpy Old Geeks, a weekly talk show hosted by Brian Schulmeister and Jason DeFilippo, discussing the finer points of what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame. Welcome to Grumpy Old Geeks. I'm Jason DeFilippo. And I'm Brian Schulmeister. Brian, I thought uh, today we would do a little follow-up at the end of the show and uh, talk about Picard in the good place without spoilers. So uh, what do you think? Does that sound good? Did not get to see The Good Place last night. No! What? You're the one what? that made me start watching that goddamn show. <laughs> hour and a half runtime. It wasn't a full hour and a half. It was only an hour and eight minutes because okay, the end of the show was... Well, then, yeah, take out the commercials and at the end they have a roundtable with all the cast and Seth Meyer. Well, see, I, I would have no interest in watching that part either, so... You know, I didn't either. I was going to turn it off, and I'm like, yeah, put this much time into it. Let's see what they have to say. And it was actually pretty touching. All right. Well, and it was uh, short. <laughs> let, let me let me go ahead and, and make a counter suggestion to your suggestion about having uh, Media Candy at the end of this show. Let's leave Media Candy to Media Candy. We will do that on Tuesday, and it will come out on Wednesday. Uh, you know, we don't need to do a Picard wrap-up. Will Wheaton's got that covered. And uh, <laughs> I didn't get a chance to see The Good Place yet. So I will watch that uh, some, at some point over the weekend. Okay. Well, I am worried, but I, I did see your, your, your tweets about it because, uh, in my opinion, <laughs> The Good Place perfectly wrapped up last episode. In fact, my, when my wife and I were watching it, we turned it off and went, boy, that was just a really good show. I'm glad they ended it that way, only to find out that there's another hour and a half to go. So I, I'm yeah. terrified that they're going to screw it up, but according to you, they didn't. So I will look forward to seeing it this weekend. Okay, okay, get on that so we can talk about it. But yes, uh, Ronald D. Moore had nothing to do with the end of The Good Place, which was All my right. tweet. Because that was my comment to you, is like, last episode directed by Ronald D. Moore, it will ruin the entire show. He did not exactly. actually direct it. So, um, no. Yeah, and you know, before you get too mad at me, remember, you, you called me, or slacked me, uh, at the premiere of uh, Avenue 5 and forced me to watch it that night only to find out that you didn't watch it the next morning because you wanted to talk about it so do not be a hypocrite and get all mad at me for not seeing the good place i'm not getting mad i mean that was a half hour show but you made me watch four fucking seasons of this thing i made you yeah i made you, you watch fans. one and you i told and you it was good geeks, you and the grumpy old geeks army had got me to watch it because i got so many comments everybody's like no brian's right you should really really watch the good place okay. and and well, did you enjoy it Absolutely. Then shut the fuck up. <laughs> you shut the fuck up. In the news, let's go. In the news. Remember two years ago at a Facebook conference, they promised us a clear history button so we could take control of our privacy after they started having all their big privacy issues. Was that before or after they gave us the we'll be able to delete our messages link button thing did they ever never came oh yeah we, we never got that one but two years later we finally have our clear history button that they've been promising um and we have a link in the show notes so you can go push it i'm assuming the reason it took them two years to make this button is they had to figure out a way that it's still advantageous for them to have us clear our histories so i'm not sure how how transparent all of this is but you can see all the third-party website, et cetera, stuff that Facebook has been tracking and, and gathering data from and sharing information with, and you can erase all that data. And, uh, no, 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 no. You can set sorry, visibility to zero. You can set visibility zero. to zero with all that data, 
Uh, you can now prohibit third parties from providing Facebook with info tied to your account. You're actually able to turn... Well, you'll still get ads, but they'll be less relevant to your interests. So hopefully we'll see less stories about how our phone is listening to us if people do this, because it will stop uh, that process from happening. Um, and uh, yeah, they've got even they've even got a, a little uh, little switch to basically turn it off forever. Except if you do that, you won't be able to use Facebook login anywhere. Uh, if you're which you shouldn't some, anyway, which you shouldn't anyways. <laughs> but unfortunately for me, because I use Buffer to do our social media apps, they have to connect to Facebook and Instagram. So if I turn ah. that on, I can't use Buffer anymore. So lot, there are a lot of features that are of convenience or necessity uh, that this would then break. So. It's a feature, not a bug. Yes. So it's there. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you did it. I did it. Um, there wasn't anything particularly surprising in there. All the sites that I go to all the time are listed and whatever. I mean, I, I cleared it. I haven't really noticed much of a difference. But then again, I have ad blocking on. So Exactly. I don't see ads anyway, so it makes no no difference to me so, whatsoever. Uh, basically, the internet is collecting a lot of information about me about things I don't see. <laughs> yeah, so I, uh, I I browsed through it, and we'll talk a little bit more about the privacy thing and Facebook insecurity in a little bit. But uh, there was there's almost nothing in there. I don't use my account to log into any other sites because I just don't. And uh, yeah, the, the sites that do collect data on me, there's nothing out of the ordinary there, except a couple parenting things. And I'm guessing that was because you put a link in the show notes to something, and I went to it. And I'm sure. Yes. Yeah, because I'm like, I why, why is that here? I, why do I? <laughs> Daddy info thing? No, I'm not a daddy. Well, I got I got my puppies. I'm I'm a da I'm a puppy daddy, not a baby daddy. That's but, right. Uh, yeah. So uh, finally, and there was there was an injunction by a judge to actually slow down the rollout of this. So they do have a little bit of leeway on why it took so long because some Texan judge said, "Nope, you can't roll that out because we got a pedo and we might need some info on him, and uh, he might clear his history if you do that." Even though somebody should have just tapped the judge on the shoulder and said, "They don't actually delete anything, dude. It's yeah, just it's just not visible." <laughs> <to> zero. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Anyway. All right. All right, moving on. We're going to talk about Peloton, even though Peloton is one of those companies that claims to be a tech company, but it is not a tech company. It's a well, bike they're showing, with they're a TV showing, on it. They're showing tech company <laughs> tendencies from what you put here. They are. They are. They're doing exactly what a lot of tech companies uh, are doing, The uh, if you recall at all, which you probably won't, although I think we talked about it on the show because I do like to bring in the music uh, industry stuff. The National Music Publishers Association sued Peloton uh, back early in 2019, accusing it of using songs in its workout videos without obtaining the proper licenses for them. You cannot do that. Yeah, um, that's what they're, yeah. That's, yeah, that's why you have licensing for music. Yes. Yeah, so Peloton's workout subscription members who pay $468 a year. Which this is, is the uh, biggest shocker of the entire article. I'm like, you pay $468 subscription. a year? Get a bike. On your, your $2,000 bike, you still have to pay almost $500 a year? Yes. What's it? So, Jesus. Yeah. Again, showing technology company tendencies. <laughs> exactly. You know, you, know, you know how you lose weight with a Peloton? You can't afford to eat after you buy the bike and pay the subscription. You can't afford food. Yes. Well, you know, only ultra-rich people with uh, incredible multi-million dollar mansions that are in perfect shape have Pelotons, at least according uh, to their ads. So I, I, know, I know a few of them, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we both do. Uh, so after that lawsuit, uh, all these uh, subscribers who are paying all this money had to deal with limited selection and terrible music as a result. So Peloton fired back with a countersuit, which is another tech company tendency, which accuses the National Music Publishing Association of seeking super competitive 
licensing prices. In other words, prices much higher than normal, say more than a restaurant would have to pay to be able to play music or something like that, that violate antitrust laws as well as sabotaging its negotiations with individual publishers. Unfortunately, the U.S. District Judge Denise Coates said, nah, screw you. Dismiss, I don't dismiss know if that's case. unfortunately. I think that's fortunately. Well, unfortunate for them. Unfortunately for Peloton, yes. yes. But fortunately for everybody with a brain. Yes. So basically, they were able to go out and make licensing deals themselves with individual publishers, and they could have done that, and they failed to do so. So she said they, the company failed to sub in songs owned by others, especially since it previously said that it reached agreements with all major publishers and with many independent outfits. The judge wrote in a ruling, it is true that every copyrighted work has a tenant has at least some modicum of originality, but recognition of that fundamental tenet of copyright law does not explain why songs not controlled by the music publishers cannot substitute in exercise programmings for songs they do control. So use the other music that you have access to and stop stealing music. Yeah, or just go to SoundCloud like everybody yes. else. <laughs> so I did like this. The uh, National Music Publishing Association president, David Israelite, told The Hollywood Reporter, today's victory is a reminder that tech companies like Peloton not a tech company, <laughs> cannot build businesses that are reliant on songwriters without asking their permission and paying them. In other words, you cannot steal other people's stuff and make a business out of it. Pinterest? Yeah. Oh, don't, even, <laughs> don't even go there. Don't Judge Coat has there. dismissed all of Peloton's counterclaims, which were only meant to distract from their failure to license 2,468 songs. We are pleased that Peloton's attempt to divert attention from the heart of the issue, properly paying creators for the music on which its billion-dollar business was built, have been defeated. So here, good. Here. Now, I just want to talk about how this is basically the new tech company's business as usual. Um, I know this because of my wife and what she has to do for a living, which is basically going after tech companies for stealing Universal Music's content. So okay. I was going to say, let, let, let the new users know what your wife does. <laughs> yeah, she's a lawyer for Universal Music, and she works basically with mostly tech companies. So this is their business as usual. Now, launch first, ask permission later, and how how that would be okay if they came back and dealt fairly with the labels. It would be. This would all be okay if they came back. I There's an understanding. You need to get your product out the door. You have to be first to launch. You have to be best in class. All of that sort of stuff. you got to go, go, go. And licensing and doing all these legal arrangements does take some time it would actually be okay with most of the labels if you went ahead and did that and just kind of said look we got to get out the door we're going to use all this stuff we're going to come back to you and we're going to pay you for all this fairly the thing is they don't right. and the labels usually have to file a lawsuit against them because they never come back and do the right and fair thing so that's that's the new normal now yay <laughs> <laughs> welcome to the world brian welcome well it keeps my world. wife employed there you go. I was gonna, yeah, it keeps you in formula. and the, we're, the we're long past formula. In fact, I shout out to my son, who is officially now potty trained. I have changed I my last that. diaper. <laughs> I saw that. Congratulations. Yes, it's it's a wonderful feeling. So. I'm sure it is. I wish I could. <laughs> I, wish I, I wish Bam Bam were the same way. Yeah. Man. Uh, in other news, Apple and Broadcom have been ordered to pay up to $1.1 billion in total to Caltech in a patent case. So hmm. let's see. Uh, what is this about particularly? Uh, something Wi about Wi-Fi chips, which were used yes. in iPhones and data transmission technology. Broadcom is one of those companies that I am aware of, and I know mm -hmm. that they do things and widgets and stuff, but I couldn't tell you. If I have one in my house or not, I probably they do calm do. things that are broad. Yes, <laughs> it. it's like Qualcomm. They do calm things that are that qual. are qual. Yes. <laughs> 
So Apple has to pay 837.8 million specifically and Broadcom owns 270.2 million. So uh, the statement from Caltech was, uh, we are pleased the jury found that Apple and Broadcom infringe Caltech patents. As a nonprofit institution of higher education, Caltech is committed to protecting its intellectual property in furtherance of its mission to expand human knowledge and benefit society through research integrated with education. So they're obviously both companies are planning to appeal, but for a nonprofit, getting a couple bill, not so bad. Yeah. Well, a bill, <laughs> not bad at all. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, if they infringe on the patents, they should pony up, especially if it's for Wi-Fi chips. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty big one, you know? Yeah. Yes, it yeah. is. So <laughs> Huawei back in the news, uh, we, we've basically said, nope, we're, we're a little bit scared about this. We don't want to use their stuff to build our 5g networks in our country which means we're going to be a little bit behind. Which means we're not getting a 5G network in our country. (laughs) Uh, But the UK said, screw you. We're doing it anyways. (laughs) Oh, yeah, UK. Yeah, well, they got a lot of problems going on right now, but this is definitely going to be one of them. So despite classifying the company as a high-risk vendor, the British government said it would go ahead and use this high-risk vendor, but with some restrictions. And these are somewhat wise. The company's products will not be allowed to be used in the network's core, the most sensitive portion of their telecommunications grid. It will also limit the use of their equipment to 35% of the system. Oh, and we won't put it near, like, military bases or nuclear sites. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, what could possibly go wrong? What could possibly go wrong? So we'll see what happens, but uh, they're charging ahead and using these these devices that we kind of know are security threats. So, yay. Good luck with that. This episode is brought to you by Mood. Have you ever thought about elevating your THC experience, not to just feel good, but also to boost your creativity, focus, and energy? Well, I have some exciting news for all you cannabis enthusiasts. Mood has just launched their most potent product yet, introducing the hemp-based THCA flower. This edition marks a new era in the legal THC world. And it's something you've got to try, along with Mood's fantastic range of flour, gummies, vapes, and more. And here's a treat. Mood is offering our listeners a free THCA pre-roll and 20% off your first order. Just head over to hellomood.com and use our exclusive code GOG. I tried several of their products from the Uplifting Energized to the Mellow Chill, and I must say each provided a unique, enjoyable high. My favorite, definitely the Creative Strain. It sparked an incredible flow of ideas and had me breezing through my projects. Mood's latest introduction, the THCA Flower, is a game changer, offering the classic cannabis high with a twist. With 10 high-inducing strains, it's their most potent lineup yet. What's even better is that all Mood products are extracted from hemp, making them federally legal and are regularly tested to ensure the highest quality. Sourced from small family farms, you're getting a product that's effective and pesticide-free. Whether you're new to THC or a seasoned aficionado, Mood has something for every vibe. Their in-house experts have tailored different strains to match specific moods, offering a range of products to suit any preference. From delectable gummies to classic flower and convenient pre-rolls, there's a multitude of ways to enjoy Mood's offerings. Try Mood's new THCA flower today. For a limited time only, get 20% off your first order in a free THCA pre-roll. Just go to hellomood.com and use promo code GOG. That's hellomood.com, code GOG for 20% off your order in a free THCA pre-roll. Elevate your mood with Mood today. 
Everyone needs a world-class VPN. Grumpy Old Geeks recommends private internet access to protect your online privacy and identity. Private internet access never keeps any records of their users' online activities, so you can be assured that you have complete privacy and nobody knows what you're doing online. No matter your technical skills, private internet access is one of the easiest VPN apps out there. All it takes to connect is just one click or tap and your data will be encrypted instantly. With just one private internet access VPN subscription, you can connect up to 10 devices at the same time. Go to GOG.show slash VPN and sign up today. For a limited time only, you can get our favorite VPN for just $2.69 a month when you sign up for two years. GOG.show slash VPN. That's GOG.show slash VPN. Security? Ha! We are joined again this week by Dave Bittner. Dave is the host of the Cyberwire podcast. Dave is also co-host of the social engineering podcast, Hacking Humans with Joe Kerrigan, as well as the co-host of Caveat with Ben Yellen, where they discuss law and policy as well as surveillance and privacy, and soon to be Geeks on Broadway will <laughs> be our next <laughs> That's show. Right. That's right. Yes, For like the last five minutes, we've been talking about Broadway shows. Mm-hmm. Brian's eager to be our producer. I will oh, produce. Yes. I will produce. I will. Uh, <laughs> heavy on the mute button. <laughs> Riding the auto tune. Uh, yeah, that's probably the way it is these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, so before we jumped in here today, I wanted to just do some quick follow up with you all. I heard your discussion on the recent show about Picard. Mm-hmm. And I just wanted to weigh in and also share my enthusiasm for the show. I've only seen the first episode so far, but uh, I'm very pleased with it. Yes. Uh, it, it feels like Star Trek. It feels like the Star Trek I love the most, which is Next Generation. Um, I'm on board with, with you guys that um, I think it's great that uh, Patrick Stewart is not pretending to be 40. Yep. <laughs> He's playing Picard <laughs> as an old man. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, I think they did a really good job. I thought there was a couple points where there was a little bit of clunky writing where they were kind of, you know, laying some pipe uh, of, of you know, Bob, who's Bob? Well, you know, Bob, he's the guy from such and such. Like, okay, all right. Okay. You know, laying yeah. out the story, but that's fine. I will forgive him that on the first episode, but uh, yeah, it made me uh, really want to look forward to the next one. So yeah. I'm excited about it. I, I watched the second one. It's quite good. Um, oh, good. I'm, I'm happy about the show. Yeah. It's, it's good to also keep in mind that the first two seasons of the next generation, frankly, sucked. So yeah, yeah. They, they were they were they were quite terrible. If I you ever know, see yeah. that, that far station again or whatever it was. Oh, so man. you know, while I you know you're you're going on the history that's already been built, you do have to give them a little time to get their footing. I'm I'm sure it won't take two seasons. It should probably only take a couple episodes, but it feels good. Um, and I enjoy it a lot. So it, I, I yeah. like this kind of more morally ambiguous Star Trek universe for our morally ambiguous times. Yes, mm-hmm. and in episode two, they actually drop drop the f bomb. I know, which is pretty surprising. I was impressed. Right. I was shocked. I almost I was, dropped I my wine. <laughs> yeah, me too. I was like, what? Set phasers on stun. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The fucking hubris. That <laughs> oh, was great. Uh, my, right. I do have the same complaint with Picard as I do have with the Mandalorian. It's just too damn short. Um, I don't mind it. Well, I don't mind it. Uh, episode two was only 38 minutes and it, it ended very abruptly. I thought hmm. it, it was really weird, like cut point. But uh, yeah, I'm I'm in. I'm all in. Yep. Yep. I'd rather them leave me wanting more than 
making me feel like I'm, yeah, (laughs) making me feel like, God, is this over yet? Yeah. So we'll see. I'll, I will definitely check out the second episode this weekend. So looking Mm -hmm. forward to that. So I logged into Facebook the other day and I got a big banner at the top, which you guys can see in the show notes. It says, it's data privacy day. Jason, (laughs) we want to make sure your privacy is set the way you want. Privacy checkup guides you through your most important privacy settings, like who can see what you share and how to keep your account secure. Yes, I posted, oh, the irony. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'm like, well, when you handle users' data, shouldn't every day be data privacy day? <laughs> <laughs> right. It's it's the one day a year when uh, when we when don't get hacked. But, right. Right. <laughs> yeah. So we've did already you talked through with this. Did you do your oh, privacy checkup? I did my privacy checkup, and uh, there were a few settings that I did actually change. So hmm. yeah, I don't want the world to be able to see my phone number. Mm-hmm. And uh, my birth date. There's no need for that. I'm old. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. <laughs> but Jason, that's how everybody knows when it's somebody's birthday now. That's that's it. We don't have reminders. We don't remember birthdays. It's only Facebook notifications. So if you turn that off, nobody will know when your birthday is. Well, here's the thing. It was on for years and nobody gave a shit about my birthday. So even now that, now that it's off, nobody will still give a shit about my birthday. I'm an old guy that nobody cares about. So I don't care. Well, make sure your puppies mm-hmm. have a post-it note in there bed <laughs> well i forgot their birthday this year and i'm a bad dad so oh. that's how it goes anyway it's like missing seven birthdays it really is it really is <laughs> so we got some feedback from matt eight and grant and said jason get rid of those bloody cameras and this goes on to talk about ring doorbell and how they give facebook and google your user data and there's actually a lot more that than facebook and google <laughs> Uh, because they are packed with third-party trackers in the Ring app. And it's a very, very interesting story that's coming out. I've got a link to the EFF article, which really goes into detail on what trackers they have, what they're giving up. They're giving your, you know, they're giving your device IDs, your location, times of day where you're looking at your cameras, all that stuff. It's kind of creepy. I got to say it's a couple times through this episode, Jason, we've talked about how tech companies, uh, you know, just this is what they do now. And ring seems to be following in just with that. It seems like every every week there's a new story about how ring is genuinely awful. Yeah. (laughs) And they're so awful. And we we talked about the Amazon employee revolt. Mm -hmm. And I found uh, I found the article on medium that talks about uh the it's the amazon employees climate justice where everybody just goes on and bitches about something they don't like about amazon which kind of defeats the purpose of the whole thing come on guys focus your message when you have too many messages it doesn't work anyway uh max elizer he's a senior development engineer over at Amazon, he says, the deployment of connected home security cameras that allow footage to be queried centrally are simply not compatible with a free society. The privacy issues are not fixable with regulation, and there is no balance that can be struck. Ring should be shut down immediately and not brought back. This is coming from a goddamn Amazon employee. I, I kind of concur with these things. I, I don't mind the idea of you using a video camera for your door, a camera for your door. I don't like the idea of them being networked and centralized. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, that's just me. Yeah, Apparently, I nobody cares. I, I wondered, <laughs> but but the bigger issue, Jason, that you you sort of led with is that is there is there no company that spins up today that has any sort of online presence that 
can resist the pull of the easy money of sharing all the data. See, it doesn't I, you seem know, that way. I've got these Amcrest cameras, which are, you know, they're just refurbed Chinese cameras. Those were the, you know, the original Chinese cameras that we all made fun of me for. Right. And they do have an Amcrest cloud, but I've never heard of any anything happening with those. And they're they're very highly technical. I couldn't I can literally set up my own FTP server and use those. You yeah. know, they, they will SFTP the images straight up there. Or you can use like WebDAV or things like that, or, you know, just pump them straight to a Synology, but that's on site, which is not really what you want. But, yeah. And, you know, it's it, the thing is, there's no plug and play easy ones. You still have to have your own setup to do it. And that's, that's the allure. This is the, you know, the easy way to do it. Right. And yeah. I mean, but I, I'm talking I, I, more about beyond the cameras. I'm just saying basically any business that has an online presence these days. When oh. <laughs> the time comes and they're and, and when the time comes that they're collecting data, they don't seem none of them be, seem to say, you know what, selling this data, making money off of this information that people have shared with us, that might just be morally wrong. <laughs> that that is never the decision that seems to be made anymore. I know I'm, it's adorable, well, isn't it? That it I would even say the, the other thing about this, which which Jason and I have been talking about a couple times recently, is it almost seems to also be an exit strategy because what we see with these companies is when they start to fail, their last ditch effort for money or the very end the end game to basically you know get the CEOs a a, a, ch a check as they shutter the doors is look at all the data we've collected, we can sell this, and and this is our exit strategy. Mm -hmm. 23 and me, like mm -hmm. we talked about exactly. last show, you know? Yeah. I, I really think we have to shift the, shift the perception of data not being valuable, of data being radioactive. and Or at I least shift ownership of it. Give it back to us. It's our data. And if you want it, you pay us for it. One or the yeah. other. I don't care which. <laughs> yeah, but you try, you try to educate the unwashed masses well, to that. I it's difficult. We've been doing it for seven years and nobody fucking listens. Hell, I don't even listen to them on the show. I've got ring cameras everywhere. <laughs> Therein did, did lies you the rub. Something, Brian? Did, did someone say something, Brian, on, on this show just between you and I? I don't yeah, know. I, I, heard I, something. I heard something. I don't too. know what it was. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, apparently there was a big cyber attack on the UN. And uh, guess what? Shockingly enough, they decided not to publicly disclose it. So this happened mm -hmm. in Europe on August uh, 30th in 2019. IT officials working at the UN Geneva's office issued an alert to their tech teams about a hacking incident saying, we are working under the assumption that the entire domain is compromised. The attacker doesn't show any signs of activity so far. We assume they established their position and are dormant. Um and yeah, they, they covered it up. They tried to hide it, et cetera, et cetera. And the TLDR on this, I put a whole bunch of bullet points in here, but it's really not that interesting. It's just another hacking into secure networks is uh, security experts coming out and basically saying, you need to stop hiding this stuff. You need to be open and transparent when hacks occur. So the executive director of Privacy International hoped revelations about the incident and the way it was handled might have a good effect on UN cybersecurity. If there are no consequences for the UN agencies for failure like this, they will build more pro problematic systems, there will be more breaches, and nobody will ever know. Um, you know, so basically, hey, let people know, because without transparency, no one will be motivated to push for change. And I tend to agree yeah. with that. I heard someone uh, made the the comment that uh, if it turns out that this attack on the UN was from a member nation, should that be considered an insider threat? Mm -hmm. Hell yeah. yeah. 
Why wouldn't it be? I mean, it's it's <laughs> mm-hmm. pretty straight up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can, do you think they should be booted from the UN if they're actually actively trying to hack the well, UN? Well, thankfully, it was somebody in the UK. So, you know. <laughs> well, well, I mean, you know, I mean, it's, it's, it's actually I know, different. I know. <laughs> it's actually not a crazy question because I think as we've talked about before, espionage is on the table, right? Espionage is kind of everybody does espionage. Mm-hmm. So espionage is not illegal. Yes. Espionage is just espionage. And we all know, so if, if you they, know, the five eyes all have eyes on each other too. It's not like we've made exactly. an agreement and we're not going to keep looking into each other's stuff. <laughs> right, yeah. right. So if that's what this is. And, and, and it might be the four eyes soon if uh, the UK keeps going with Huawei. Yeah, that's a good point. Mm. <laughs> mm. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Nobody's very happy about that, you know. And and the story we talked about previously, the you know the U.S. is saying, look, this is, this might actually get you kicked out of the Five Eyes if you keep wanting to put uh, Huawei stuff in your in your system. So, yeah. But remember, they promised not yeah. to put any of the Huawei stuff on their nuclear weapons or reactors. So <laughs> yeah. there's that to be thankful for. Oh, thank yeah. you for that. Uh, I put this story in here from Fast Company. Uh, it's titled, Apple and Google's Tough New Location Privacy Controls Are Working. And uh, to me, this is sort of a, a good news, bad news scenario here. Uh, the good news is, since Apple launched iOS 13, uh, the background data location has dropped by 68%, yep. according to Location Sciences, a company that tracks that. Uh, foreground data sharing down by 24%. Um, Android users are opting in only about half the time. Um, so that's the good news that these methods that the, the device manufacturers are putting in place seem to be working and having an effect. The bad news is the trackers are just going to pivot and come at you by other means. <laughs> well, yeah, of course. Wow, people got educated and started turning this stuff off. We still need this data. Let's figure out another way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they're not going to come in through the front door. They're going to come in through the window. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, I, I, I think it's good, though, that at least the the but one of the points they make in the article is that the the accuracy of the their ability to track your location has probably gone down any for the moment yeah. so it's so 10 we'll feet see. instead of two feet <laughs> right yeah. they can't tell what side of the street you're on or what aisle you are in at, at the walmart yeah. mm-hmm. oh no 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 walmart has bluetooth beacons they can tell exactly what aisle you're in yeah mm-hmm. right probably facial recognition too yep <laughs> Well, we've well then they'll 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 know your exact location about forty percent of the time because we know how well facial recognition works. Yeah, <laughs> right, right. Well, we've talked a lot about basically you know wanting governments to have subpoenas to be able to get data out of companies, out of tech companies, and that is happening. Uh, facing an increasing number of requests for its users' information, Google began charging law enforcement and other government agencies this month for legal demands seeking data such as emails, location tracking information, and search queries. Uh, fees range from $45 for a subpoena and $60 for a wiretap to $245 for a search warrant, according to a notice sent to law enforcement officials and reviewed by the New York Times. So, you know, a spokesperson for Google is basically saying this is intended in part to help offset the costs of complying with warrants and subpoenas. Um, but there's a good mm-hmm. news thing in here somewhere in that the thought is basically if we start charging fees, that actually puts some weight onto the issue and maybe we will get less, uh, you know, just kind of ridiculous 
uh, requests for data. Right. So now that yeah. it's rate, it's rate limiting. Yeah, yeah it's rate limiting. Yeah. It's the like requests. charging five cents yeah. for a catch uh, for a packet of ketchup at McDonald's, and so you don't just go up and just grab a whole handful and throw them out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. I, I don't have a problem with this. I I I think uh, this doesn't seem like an unreasonable fee to me. What do you guys make of it? I think it's I think it's completely reasonable because they have to hire staff to do that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not mm-hmm. it's not like it's free for them. And the the way they were saying now with these new geofencing requirements, the actual queries are way more complex and they have to spend a lot more time on them. I'm sure there's a staff of, you know, probably you know, what, 50 to 100 people that have to just sit there and handle, you know, government requests. Mm-hmm. And it's silly for a private company to have to pay for that out of their own pocket. So it's yeah. like, just cover the costs. And these costs are not, you know, egregious in any way, shape, no, or No, they're form. fairly low. And it's no. important to point out that they're yeah. not going to ask for reimbursement in some cases, including child safety investigations and life-threatening emergencies. So I'm totally down mm-hmm. with this. Yeah. I think it's fine. Yeah. yeah. I think it helps prevent fishing expeditions. Yeah, if you can just send in as many requests as you want and then just clog up the system with with silliness, I think I think mm-hmm. this is a good I, like you said, it's a good rate mm-hmm. limiter. Yep. Yeah. And the other big news was what was going on with Avast this week and we got some feedback um, from Jeff and a few other people, but the story has changed uh, pretty quickly since it launched. <laughs> <laughs> wonder yeah, why. Yeah, wonder yes. why. So I, I well, I I put a picture of why in our show notes. <laughs> which which was a vast stock price. Yes, it uh, dropped considerably. <laughs> if you look, yes, if you look at the the stock price, which has been going up and up and up and up, and then it fell off a cliff. Uh, and yeah, that is what got the CEO and board's attention that they made this decision. But I'm getting ahead of yeah. ourselves. So let's start at the yes. beginning here. Obviously, Avast is an antivirus uh, software that uh, you know you. <laughs> you say anti-vaxxer. <laughs> anti-vaxxer software. We'll get into that on the next episode. Uh, <laughs> the next episode, we will definitely uh, uh, an antivirus software. So you think you know you install an antivirus software? It's it's trying to keep you safe, right? Well, they mm. had a whole second uh, division of their company called JumpShot. That basically grabbed all your datas, packaged it, and resold it everywhere. Yay. Now, Brian, the data was anonymized. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> right. So, sure it was. They, they, so, yeah, they basically had clients that include Google, Yelp, Microsoft, McKinsey, Pepsi, Home Depot, Condé Nast, Intuit, and many others, which is kind of amazing. Um, they, some clients paid millions of dollars for a product that also included a so-called all-clicks feed, which can track user behavior, clicks, and movement across websites in highly precise, I'm sure, anonymized detail. Jesus Christ. <laughs> I mean, this is egregious wow. and insane. Yeah, I mean, it is. these people uh, need to be shot, like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> taken out well, back behind the woodshed and shot. I, 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 uh, this is a company that should actually have to go out of business in, in my mind. And, um, you know, it, 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 what a betrayal of trust that is. It's insane. Right. Yeah. And <laughs> this gets to the fact that your antivirus software has special privileges mm-hmm. by necessity yes. to your system. It has to be able to look at everything. It has to be able to look inside of stuff. And I mean, this is like setting them. up a security camera, say, called Ring, that you give access <laughs> to your – and then all of a sudden they uh, turn around and package that data and give it to, I don't know, law enforcement. 
Yeah, let's stay in the real world, okay. Brian. That could okay. never happen. That could never happen. Let's, <laughs> let's not get out of control here. Let's let's uh, not get too breathless with our speculation. Right. But, right. Um, me. Yes. So uh, as a result of, of this, this news coming out and... As I said, a vast stock price taking a nosedive, five hundred, um, uh, five hundred and fifty to below four hundred yeah, or down to down sixty points, thirteen percent according to your screenshot here. I'm sure it hasn't picked up much since then. Yeah. Right, uh, the uh, Andre uh, Vilcek who is the CEO of Avast, said, and I quote, Avast's core mission is to keep its users safe online and to give users control over their privacy. The bottom line is that any practice that jeopardizes user trust are unacceptable to Avast. We are vigilant about our users' privacy, and we took quick action to begin winding down JumpShot's operations after it became evident that some users questioned the alignment of data provision to JumpShot with our mission and principles that define us as a company. We are so vigilant about our users' privacy that we set up an entire division that basically destroys your privacy. (laughs) (laughs) Now, now, uh, to be fair, and maybe it's too fair, but... uh, a point of fact is that all of this jump shot stuff happened before the current CEO's watch. So he came in after all this stuff was set up. Uh, and I think perhaps to his credit, he's he got in front of his board and said, okay, gang, you know, see what I told now, you hold about on. this? Before, <laughs> yeah. you, before you give him any credit, let us keep in yes. mind that as he came in as CEO, he was aware of the program and did nothing until Indeed. there was a massive expose thanks to motherboard and vice. That is okay. correct. So that is correct. I, I, not so, a lot yeah, of credit of to be given there then. It's not <laughs> no, like he said, this is an unac- unacceptable program. We must shut it down immediately. Right. If you want me to take the job, here are my yes. demands. <laughs> you must immediately shut down <laughs> jump shot. Yeah. So we'll see if Avast can survive the reputational Oh, oh I'm damage. sure they'll be fine, as has every single company that we've talked about in this segment. <laughs> every every single, one. single one of them is fine. Experian is still in business <laughs> and doing better than before. People are buying more know? rings than they were. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. If anything else, their stock price is going to go up because their profits will increase. I just love that a vast basically means stop. <laughs> and uh, yeah, maybe they should yeah. stop. But my yeah. God, how? Yeah. how bad I mean, is it's that? you know we're so desensitized doing this segment, and and Dave, you live in this world twenty four seven. You're pretty desensitized too. But when I read this story, I literally my my jaw did drop. I was. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, anyways, moving on, we have a little bit more follow-up. Uh, Joe wrote us, he actually wrote us two things. One will be in the next episode, but this was follow-up about something we'd been talking up here. Uh, for follow-up on my info about military Wi-Fi and cell phones. Cell phones were acquired in a few different ways. When you're out on patrols on the towns, you could easily stop in a local market shop and purchase a phone. Another way for those who never left the base was to have a local national who worked on the base get one for you. And lastly, on the larger, more established bases, the military would allow the locals to set up shops on base to sell things. Several of them sold cell phones. So that's how our military gets their phones. I, I, yeah. I'm guessing there were probably background checks for the people who were setting up. Oh, oh I'm I, sure I, there I, was. Don't be. I'm, I'm sorry. <laughs> what am I thinking? <laughs> oh, Uber. Yeah, Uber sets up their cell phone shop. There. That's right. That's right. Yeah. It's, uh, it's fascinating that that's how it works. It, 
It is. It is. And part of me thinks that's crazy because what a way to get devices on the inside of the wall at the Mm -hmm. base. On the other hand, I mean, I'm certainly the military must have considered this and pondered it and done the the risk reward of it. And perhaps it's say it's it's better for the service to uh, allow the soldiers to be able to stay in touch with their loved ones back home than the slight risk of whatever they think these devices might be able to yeah. do when they're inside yeah. the wall. Yeah, they're all pre-programmed for the stingrays that circle the base. Right, <laughs> right, right. It's right. safe time, safe setup time. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I don't know. It's a head-scratcher. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it. Well, this one I do get, and I think this is fantastic, so I want to end on a high note here. Uh, I, I, I linked to the Boing Boing story, but this came out uh, a, a while ago. A TikTok video shows a clever AirPod trick that lets students talk in school without getting in trouble. Mm-hmm. And the crux of this hack is you swap AirPods with someone, and then you use text-to-speech on your phone to type messages to them, and then they're read over your AirPods. Genius. So you you have two-way communication. It is Fucking genius. What, You're right. what a time to be alive. I mean, I used to get upset at like the uh, toys that my son has compared compared to the toys that I had growing up. But the, <laughs> the, the uh, cheating is so easy now for these kids. This is amazing. It's so yeah. good. It's so good. And what what world do we live in where you can just wear your AirPods in class? I just don't get that. But I do have to point out um, gross swapping airpods with somebody is gross because eh, i i don't know true. if you've met teenagers lately they generally not the most hygienic just creatures an- antibacterial planet, wipe but... you're fine <laughs> <laughs> still oh man uh, yeah i love it i, I just love in, this in terms of the wearing them is our, what i've noticed lately more and more with airpods especially with these kids today <laughs> is that they just leave them in their ears all the time yeah, they're just hanging yeah. out of their ears constantly all the time. Yeah. So when you see the little double mm-hmm. tap it's when somebody's a, talking, it's to like them. wearing earrings. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Right. So maybe the teachers have just been worn down, and they have to pick their battles. Maybe I don't know. They've got pod I'll, fatigue. I'll ask my son about it. <laughs> yeah, I'll ask my son about it. He's in middle school. He he's right in the thick of these things. Excellent. Yeah. So get us get I'll us some him. inside info. It did remind me. We've got an inside yeah, man. I got a guy. Right. I got a guy on the inside. <laughs> um, <clears throat> It did remind me that uh, back when I was in college, so this would have been around 1990 or so, so we're talking pre-internet days, mm-hmm. um, my college roommate who was an electrical engineering major, so he had one of those fancy HP calculators. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And the HP calculators at the time, the state of the art was you could transfer programs from one calculator to another using infrared. Mm-hmm. So... You could hold these calculators next to each other and one would blast to the other the program that you wrote and that's how you would transfer them because remember like there's the no internet app. there's no yeah there's no internet there's no wi-fi there's no there's no wireless communications this is all before all that so mm-hmm. what my roommate and his buddies did was somebody came up with basically a chat program that used infrared to communicate so while they were all taking their tests they could communicate with each other Look, because they were allowed to have their calculators. The fact that <laughs> they could spell boobs over and over again. And send yeah, the fact that uh, you guys figured that out means you all pass electrical engineering. 
<laughs> to me, that's just a straight up. That's a pass. You, you, sure, you're using yeah. it to cheat on the test, but hey, look what you did. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, and this guy, my this roommate, is now working for NASA. He's uh, he is literally a rocket scientist, <laughs> and my hat's off to him because uh, what a clever hack! That's amazing. Yeah. yeah very yeah. cool. Mm-hmm. Yep. All right, gentlemen. Well, that is what we've got this week. I will see you guys next time. I'm sure we'll be talking about how a vast was uh, dissolved and all is well in the world. <laughs> That's right. Ring That's is right. out of business. There's no more mm-hmm. a vast. And we can all go back to the way things were in the 70s. Excellent. Facebook just decided to take a little break. They're pausing their business mm, and yes. uh, they're just going to shut down for a while to, to reconsider, to think about what they've yes, done. They're very nice. Ups and doodads. We talked a little bit about Byte in the last episode, the the reimagined, recreated Vine from one of the creators of Vine, and uh, in Gadget asked the question, "Can Byte recreate the magic of Vine?" So is Betteridge right? Yes. His law of headlines. <laughs> <laughs> they pointed out everything that I pointed out, which is we've already got TikTok, and everybody's yep. on TikTok. So why are they going to go to Byte? Exactly. Yeah. So that's that. <laughs> That's that. There it is. <laughs> Have okay. you logged back in since you uh, since your first login to Byte to check it out? No, I haven't yeah, because I I, 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 I did it and I'm like this is dumb and it, it's like I said it was the same thing that I thought with Vine. I thought it was dumb and uh, I was too old for Vine when it came out and the the novelty wasn't there for me. And I opened up Byte and I'm like this is a bunch of stupid kids doing stupid shit. I yep. ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm an old man and I got shit to do. So right. no. Yes. Yeah, I haven't. Oh, I also didn't find the Rottweiler channel. So if there's a Rottweiler channel on Byte, maybe I'll sign back in. I'm sure there is. Uh, <laughs> I stumbled across some other uh, company that's out there that I was not aware of called Community. Have you heard oh, about Community yet? You, I can't believe you've never heard of these guys. They, I, I follow a lot of people that use Community. A lot of uh, comedians use it. Uh, Caesar Milan uses it. So I see this stuff all the time. So yes, I'm, I'm familiar with Community. Okay. So well, tell I, the I was audience who they are. I was not aware of Community, but I've been a very aware of multiple companies like this. This is just the one that happened to, I guess, make it pretty well. So, if you've ever stumbled across a tweet or an Instagram in which a celebrity posts their phone number in quotes, so they can interact with you and text you directly, unless that celebrity is drunk and takes down that post the next morning, in which case it might have actually been their real phone number. Um, <laughs> you've actually subscribed to a newsletter of automated updates that'll be sent by text. Yes. So yep. it's basically just faking closeness to a celebrity for money you're signing up for a service run by a tech startup called community they help manage direct messaging with large audiences on behalf of celebrities and other well-known figures as a way of monetizing their social networks so what do you actually get it depends on what their team puts together and having done this for a living for a long time i had i was approached by many 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 companies trying to do this uh, earlier i haven't really worked in the music industry for the last couple of years. So I've been out of it. I obviously wasn't around for community coming around. Um, but I guess if you're a fan of a celebrity and they actually put the effort in, that was the problem that I always found with with the people that I worked with. It's It all depends on what the artist is willing to do. Uh, right. If they're willing for me to come over and take a bunch of pictures and a bunch of videos and have them write out a bunch of things. So for the next couple of weeks, I can actually push out good content. That's great. If they're not, you're going to get shit. 
<laughs> yeah, see, I, I so the first one that I actually did with this and texted somebody just because mm-hmm. I was curious on how it worked. Uh, and by the way, Ashton Kutcher is the the evil mastermind behind this. So ah, that's, of course, that, that's, why, okay. that's why. That's why. That's why this one's on. got enough money to run for a long time, even exactly. though it's probably not making any money. Uh, so Bert Kreischer, one of my favorite comedians, he put up his number and there was one specific thing. And I, I was just, I follow him on Instagram, like religiously because he's just too fucking funny. Um, he, he replies to his, his, uh, his text messages from the crapper. So I, I found that pretty funny, but like the, I think the first day he had like 35,000 text messages, <laughs> which means you're not going to get very much personal attention. No, of course you're not. Uh, you know, that's even for somebody that isn't that well known. Cause I've never heard of that guy. Um, you know, if you you're never going to Burt Kreischer, Oh my no. God, machine. You need to go watch his specials on Netflix, dude. You fucking love him. He's a fat guy who takes his shirt off and does his whole stand up routine without his shirt on. It's funny. He, the guy is really funny. He lives just, just up the road. Just walk down to Venice beach and see a dude do that you could actually just take your shirt <laughs> off and talk to yourself in the mirror hey i've been working out a lot I've got my peloton <laughs> oh god um but uh yeah so with comedians it's pretty good because you can get tour date updates if you're gonna go see them on tour okay, okay but the house uh, but should you so. have to pay for that shouldn't that be going on their social media and on their websites for free it does it's just another it's another you know just avenue for them i don't think they pay for this i think this at this point i think it's pretty much just they're doing the old tech thing get every Everybody in the door and then figure out the monetization and then figure later. out how we're going to charge later yeah of exactly course. So, yeah i mean there's again I've, I've seen countless companies trying to do this um time and time again over the last 10 years every single one of them has failed my argument to the artists every single time they came around is your social media and your website are advertisements for you you can't charge for them you're 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 promoting the things that people are paying for you don't charge to give promo materials away Right, but you don't get charged for the the community text. Well, I mean, again, the, the if the point is to monetize it, that is what's going to have to happen at some point. At some point, I mean, it's basically otherwise, how is the ads, company yeah. going to exist? Yeah, it's got to be ads. The point at some of doing point. it. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's like, oh, you're gonna go see, you're gonna go see this comedian at this place. Well, here, go have lunch at this place down the street. You know, things like that. They're gonna have to have some kind of some kind of model on it, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we'll I just know that, you know, the people that are doing this have millions of followers and the, the chance of you actually getting a text back from somebody is Miniscule. ludicrous. Yeah, you're, you're better off small. just using Twitter, right? You have a better chance of getting somebody to respond to you on Twitter. Absolutely. If, which, if the celebrities yeah. are there, which most of them are. Yeah, yeah. You're going to get a reply from their team, generally yeah. not them. Yeah. So we've uh, picked on VR and AR an awful lot because uh, for a while there, it was <laughs> the it buzzword. <laughs> I was going to say, is it still a thing? I mean, yeah, yeah. VR and AR were were the proto blockchain, and then yeah. we got then then Uber came along, so we made fun of them. Then Bird came along, <laughs> we made fun of them. Uh, so I I've, I haven't made fun of VR and AR in so long because it seems to be kind of dead. Well, yeah, well, it hasn't been pushed in the news all the time, and 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 you weren't getting multi million dollars for it anymore, which you did for a while. And I'll ask my favorite question that I always like to ask: Anybody hear anything about Magic Leap recently? <laughs> nope, nope. <laughs> So maybe they need AI to go with it. <laughs> That's right. AI has definitely replaced AR. 
Well, uh, uh, NASA's actually putting it to good use. So thank mm-hmm. God. We found a use for it, Jason. Okay. So studying the astronomical number of stars in our galaxy is generally done using legacy tools still, like scattered databases, maybe even paper and pencil. And it can be hard to use that great multipurpose pattern recognition engine, the human brain, to full effect on that information. So Tom Grubb, an engineer at NASA's Goddard Space Flight Center, has basically pulled together with a bunch of colleagues a VR environment to examine animated stellar neighborhoods and arrive at novel classifications for star groups. Pretty cool. They found a really good use for AR and VR. Well, I got to say, remember, I don't know. I can't remember the name of the app. It's like some Stargazer app for the phone. I think it was called Stargazer. That think, thing Because that's that everybody had that. Everybody had that yeah. as well as uh, what was that stupid music recognition one that everybody Shazam. Everybody's first app. Shazam. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I do like that. Like, you know, I can just go. Uh, hey, lady in a tube. Shazam. And it'll work now on my iPhone. But yeah, that that stargazing one was the first use of AR that I've ever seen. Mm-hmm. And it was really Really good because yep. we're in Los Angeles and you can't you can barely see the stars. The stars we see, see are fat comedians on corners with their shirts <laughs> off. Exactly. <laughs> uh, has been stars. Uh, <laughs> a lot of those. So it was really cool to be able to see where the constellations were by just moving your phone or your iPad. It's much better on an iPad Pro, by the way. Like that big one, you hold it up and you look around. It's really cool. I wish I'd have brought that with us to Canada. Because it would have been really fun to see since we could actually see the stars and see how see if it actually worked. Because here in Los Angeles, they could be feeding me a big bag of bullshit because I can't see the stars anyway. Jason, let's be honest. By the time it got dark enough for us to see stars, given all the free beers we were being plied with, you couldn't have seen shit. <laughs> I, I did, I did want to have one moment where I went out in the field, found a dark spot, laid down, and looked at the Milky Way. And I did do that, and I passed out <laughs> for 10 minutes. <laughs> Oh, yeah, that was the night we all wondered where the hell you went. <laughs> and, and, and ironically, I was going on a beer run because they forgot to deliver our beer. Yeah. So, but, yeah. Um, no, I, I think this is cool. This is a really good good use for it. Yeah, Believe I think so, too. So good on good on you, NASA Space Force. Yeah, we and uh, this new app that I'm going to talk about here, it's called Double Take from Filmic Pro. And mm-hmm. uh, hat tip to Mustavo over on Twitter for uh, bringing this one back to my uh, my attention. Um, they said it was going to be part of Filmic Pro at some point, but it's not built in yet. So they released their own app called Double Take. And what it does is it lets you use multiple cameras on your iPhone at the same time. So you can be, you know, filming, you know, you can actually ha- put your camera on a table and get both parties in a conversation at the same time using the front facing and the rear facing cameras. It's pretty cool in that respect. And I'm and, sure uh, Apple will roll that out as their own capability pretty soon. <laughs> oh, they might, they might. But the thing about Filmic, which is really cool and why I love the the Pro app, is you can set focus points and exposure points for the scene, and you can move the focus points as it goes. So you, instead of like you know, try, you just never freaking know with the damn iPhone where it's going to focus. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a it's a really nice app. I mean, it's like I think it's twenty bucks for the Filmic Pro app. But if you have an iPhone Pro or anything like anything with a really decent camera, mm-hmm. uh, just get it because it's going to be so much nicer than the the stock camera app. It's right. really cool. Uh, so I was playing around with it this morning. So that yeah, double takes free. So you can get that now and you can record it and it'll do a bunch of different modes. You, you can do uh, separate videos where it'll save the video file separately. You can do a picture in picture mode. So, you know, you have 
you can do the front facing camera like smaller and then the the rear facing camera bigger because if you're like you know just walking and talking and you want to do some kind of like you know narration or things like that and you can do side by side mode which is pretty cool too so that would be good if you have like you know two people like sitting across a table having a conversation that you want to record side by side mode would be pretty cool for that so i just got to say it's it's a pretty nice app and it's it's free right now but you do have to have an iphone 11 pro max 11 pro xs max xs or xr all right so, so this won't work on the uh, iphone 8 i'm getting from you next week uh no it won't okay. no right. so you have to have a modern phone eh, who needs it <laughs> well, I tell you what, man, the the iPhone 11 Pro is it's stellar. I love this thing, and I'm I, I do not miss the size at all. All right. Well, I finally switched over browsers. I am fully on Vivaldi right now. We're recording the show and looking at the show notes in Vivaldi. Pretty cool. Um, I moved everything over, and I got to say, the good thing about switching browsers is it's a really good time to review your bookmark situation because <laughs> I, I keep my house very orderly and clean, but my digital life is a fucking mess. Um, I had, <laughs> I had to really go through a bunch of my bookmarks. If I only had the time to finish that, that would be super nice, but it is nice to uh, kind of clean it up a little bit, which I have done. I have not entirely deleted Opera from my system yet. So the Chinese are still yeah. uh, looking in on me a little bit because I, I'm not entirely trusting Vivaldi yet. I've been burned before. Yeah, so yeah, Opera is still good, sitting there. But uh, it's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so far, so good. Was, yeah, my biggest issue was that whole like logging into some <laughs> things that I couldn't get into. Um, and I just I knew I was already logged in in Opera. So I'd go over to Opera and figure out how to like transfer the login. Like that whole Facebook issue like that we talked about on, on the last show, mm -hmm. on the last uh, show with security where I got that link. It's just like, hey, we we see you can't log in. Would you like us to do it for you? Even though you have two-factor <laughs> authentication enabled? Yes. Uh, yeah. So it actually did work out pretty well for that. But yeah, so far with Vivaldi, I'm having no problems. And I like the little add-ons with the note stuff. And uh, I love their download manager. It's really yeah. cool as a little yeah, it sidebar. Is, it is really nice. I also like the fact that it's got the zoom built into the bottom bar. So you can like crank things up and pull them back down. It's really good. Screenshots built in. Mm -hmm. Really nice. Um, I have to say that I think the biggest issue I have, though, is uh, just one password because sometimes it doesn't uh, autofill and you have to like copy and paste over. I haven't had but any problem with the autofill not working. What I have noticed is the uh, touch touch fingerprint to unlock is, doesn't work often. With interesting. Vivaldi. Yeah. Huh. That's odd. Yeah. That's odd. But I, and as far as your bookmarks issue goes, everything for me is in the bookmarks bar now. I never go to anything besides my bookmarks bar. Oh, I know. I like how it did that. So what I'm trying to do now is I'm trying to organize them into folders. Like I've got a grumpy old geeks folder. I've got a news oh, folder, blah, 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 okay. blah, blah. Yeah, I've had folders for years. My my bookmarks bar is meticulously organized. And if, if there's something that I want to bookmark and go back to later, I use Pinboard. And I, I never save it to a local bookmarks file. I just throw it in Pinboard and tag it so I know what to go look for later. Right. But that, that gives me it's like... I when I first started shuffling around, I had a bookmarks file from that I've probably kept since two thousand. Half the sites no longer exist. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. More, way more than half, brother. Way more than half. <laughs> and uh, I finally just said, you know what? Screw it. Let's start over. I I, I declared bookmark bankruptcy Ooh. and just created my folders up. And now I've got like every I've got four distinct links on the left, and everything else are folders along the way. Right. And you know, I've got my that whole like uh, speed dial set up. The start page in Vivaldi is pretty nice. 
because you can you can like set the things that you want to be in there and then you can then it just kind of auto populates the rest yeah you know what i don't like about that actually which i liked more about opera i don't like that it goes and pulls a screenshot of of the page i preferred just the uh the icon because oh i, I love the screenshot it, nah. makes, it makes it so much faster for me yeah. to just pick them out of a lineup i thought it was better the other way oh well <laughs> <laughs> can't win them all no nope, you can't Let's talk about another company that isn't a tech company, but thinks it is again. Okay. <laughs> so WeWorks is in the news. The I love the headline. Are WeWorks in revolt now that the company is taking away free beer? <laughs> okay. I, same... I, I, I barely remember that you got free beer there. Me either. Like, yeah. yeah. At the same time as Wall Street was side-eyeing WeWork for its dubious finances, the company has come under fire for fostering a frat boy work culture with madmen levels of drinking. This has also included... Uh, a couple former employees suing them because they were fired. Uh, she'd been fired for reporting sexual assaults at two company events, and her assailants had been too drunk from the free beer to remember the incidents. Not good. So they're now trying to grow up and uh, tamping down on workday alcohol consumption, both within its corporate offices and in the workplaces, its subleases. Well, I agree with that. If you're going to drink at work, work at home. <laughs> they shouldn't have free beer at the corporate office. I'm sorry, but that's. <laughs> Hey, That's man, but much. they're a cool, hip company That's that we're promoting a, a lifestyle. <laughs> That's right. I forgot. Every tech company has free beer. Yes. You, they don't, they're, they're, not, they're not in the business of real estate and leasing out offices. They're a tech company, man. Come on yeah. in. Have some kombucha. Then chase it down with a beer. <laughs> I remember when uh, Dig got its first office and Kevin invited me over to come check it out. Mm -hmm. And there was a beer fridge like in the kitchen. Free beer mm -hmm. as much as you want. There was a tap built into the counter. Just like and we I'm work. Like, I'm like, is that really a good idea? He's like, he's like, it it sounded cool on paper. Yeah, it's it's great on paper until you realize people don't necessarily have self control. Exactly. <laughs> and by, you know, one beer leads to two, two beers leads to three, three beers leads to floor. That's the way it works. <laughs> three beers leads to HR. That's where that that's where that leads. Yeah, well, that's what they were discovering. So they're uh, back in 2018. They tried to limit tenants to four 12 ounces a day. I'm sure there were the beer police making sure that everybody was taking care of that. Uh, so now they're just phasing it out. They're going to be offering kombucha, seltzer, cold brew, and tea. So, yeah, well, and, and as the article states, in a way this is fitting since WeWork is going through sober times as well. It's announced plans to lay off almost 20% of its staff globally, shut down its restaurant co-working subsidiary. I'm sure the We Educate thing that we talked about once never even got off the ground, so there's no need to shut that down. And they're engaged in talks with lenders for a $5 billion debt package. Woo, doggy. Soon you're talking about real money. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then they did an interview with somebody that used to, that works at the, out of a WeWork location asking if, uh, about the beer situation. And he was like, it was more of a punchline and, uh, than anything else. So look how, how cool we are in premium or whatever. So, so, and then of course the kegs seemed poorly maintained. They were always lukewarm and flat and possibly skunked. It was clearly meant yeah. to be more of a draw of a thing than it as actually was. And he says, another funny thing, a while ago, maybe around when we first moved into WeWork, they had this company-wide announcement that they were going with all vegan or plant-based foods. You know, another hip and cool thing, right? <laughs> yeah. So you could bring in your own stuff, but anything that they provided would be plant-based. So they have a lot of food events like Taco Tuesday or whatever. So that was the big thing. But then this past fall around Thanksgiving, I saw a message that was like, please join us for a Friendsgiving celebration featuring food from our good friends at Chick-fil-A. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
I'm, so, I'm sorry. I, I know it's a it's a hate filled company, but damn, those sandwiches are good. But now we have an alternative. Go to Popeyes; they're even better. That's true. And, and then they cheaper. asked <clears throat> they asked the guy if he liked working in WeWork or do you prefer it to a traditional office? And he said, "I don't know. I do think that." And this goes back long before these current problems. It's a gimmick. Yes, it is. <laughs> I feel like I get the business idea and why it would be effective both for individuals as well as companies like mine to rent out space, but it just seems like everything is like the beer. It's a perk, but it's not really adding anything. It's loud. It's noisy. You see everybody else. You can hear everybody, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. It's a dumb idea. And, uh, you know, now they're looking at $5 billion debt package. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny. Yeah, the noise would be just the worst because I used to I've work worked in a out of a, space. I've worked and, out oh. of some shared spaces too. And it's you, you, every, you have to go outside to do phone calls. You can't do them in the office because it's too loud. Yeah. Even the, I mean, here's the funny one. The, the one co-working space I worked at in San Francisco for a company metrically that I used to work at was right mm -hmm. next to a coffee shop. So we had, we had a big room on one side, a wall, a door, and then a coffee shop on the other. But the door was never closed. Mm -hmm. So you got all the noise from the coffee shop. You got all the noise from the entrepreneurs, mm -hmm. you know, writing their next startup. And there was one conference room that you could go in to, like, maybe take a phone call if you could book it because everybody went in there to make phone calls because it was too goddamn loud. Yep. Good times. So uh, on the on the heels of this, I would like to point out that there is a new podcast from Wondery called We Crashed, the <laughs> Rise and Fall of WeWork. I do like the title. <laughs> yeah, I listened to the first two episodes that are out now, and it's a great podcast. You got to go get, get go get it. Just go get it. All right. <laughs> Link for that will be in the show notes. And uh, I saw this this morning, and I just had to laugh. Elon Musk just dropped an EDM track on SoundCloud. I'm surprised he didn't just push it out onto every Tesla, so when you started your car, you'd hear his music. Uh, well, he may have. You just don't have a Tesla to find out. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it's the new unlock sound is is oons, oons, EDM. Uh, I, I'm not an EDM fan by any stretch of the imagination, but I listen to it. And it's not bad. <laughs> it's, a, it's, it's, it's actually not bad, you know, and he is dating Grimes, so I'm sure he got a lot of help. Uh, ah. There's no doubt about that. But uh, the thing that caught me is I, I looked at your <clears> – <throat> I saw this all over the place too. It was headlines everywhere. So, But I looked at your link to it, and it's got a photo of him in his home studio. God, it's good to be rich and have rich boy toys. That is no like shit. multi million dollar recording studio that he built for himself. I know. I was looking at it, like, Jesus, man. I was like, <laughs> I would have killed to have a setup like that when I was working on music. I know. It's like, wow. So if he <laughs> can't get something decent sounding out of that, he's got problems. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lack of talent is the only explanation for that because, damn, boy. Closing shout out to friend of the show, John Chevrant. He's been working on a documentary for quite some time called the Baseball Furies. And it is how uh, punk rockers love baseball. And uh, the trailer's out. The link is in the show notes. It is really cool. I got to say, I mean, he's he's been working on this for years. And what did you think? I watched it. I, I would I, I would love to see this documentary. I thought it was great. And I think. He's he, they keep pointing out something that, you know, they're not that different. There is. A, and I remember this from my own experience. You know, when I was a kid growing up, I, I played baseball. I played soccer. I loved baseball. Then I got really, really into music, but I kept up with the sports as well. And an awful lot of the people that I hung out with, the crazy goss and the electros and, all, and the industrial guys and the punk rock guys and all that, you know, we, we it wasn't cool to talk about it, but we secretly all still really followed baseball and like baseball. So there's a there's a big crossover there. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm going to put a link to the trailer and also to the website. They're, right now, they're they're looking for funding to get this thing, uh, you know, packaged up and uh, put it into a feature length film. But uh, yes. I think it's pretty damn good. I yeah, obviously say. this uh, this applies to American punk rockers because the UK punk rockers they they got no time for baseball. Right, right. I was I was pretty impressed that like the I remember when he did the Steve Albini one because uh, we were talking about gear before he got into doing this, and I think he I, I can't remember. I think he went out and bought a Presona Studio One Ninety Two like I use, so it's pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, go check it out. And I, I I mean I'm not a baseball guy, but I thought it was very interesting to hear 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 how it uh, how everybody was like a closet baseball fan. <laughs> it's pretty good. Got to do something when you're on the road, man, and you you know. It's it's a, it's always hurry up and wait. So you get to your hotel, you check into your room, you got six hours to kill before sound check. There's a baseball game on. There goes three of those hours, <laughs> <laughs> or six, depending on if it's a Cubs game and goes into overtime. Uh, so uh, another shout out. Uh, I, I mentioned Zane Lamprey's Crafts and Crafts last week. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the show that uh, I was at, the taping that I was at, is now uh, out with Dan Nitro Clark from American Gladiators. And uh, I have a cameo at eight minutes and 41 seconds where I get shot with a American Gladiators toy cannon mm-hmm. by Zane. Um, now, when I went to this taping, I thought I was looking pretty good. I felt good. I felt svelte. I've been, you know, trying to lose weight and taking walks every day. I saw the clip. And the diet is now in full swing. I am not going to eat until 2022. <laughs> well, you know, the camera <clears throat> oh adds God. 10 pounds and then YouTube adds another 15. So, yeah. Oh, well, I, I need to look good on camera. So get that, get that Peloton, Jason. 468 bucks a year. Yeah, well, plus the 2000 to actually get the bike installed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That'll oh, stop man. you from doing any more, uh, any more uh, DoorDash runs. Yeah, because you won't be able to afford it. I won't be able to afford my beloved <laughs> Paquito Moss. Oh, man. And uh, shout out to our good friends in the UK, at least the ones that are still there, because a lot of my friends have actually left the UK and now live in, in parts abroad in the EU because it's Brexit Day today as we're as we're recording this on Friday. Hmm. Do they have yeah. uh, deals in place? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what what a time to be alive. I know I, the the, uh, the memes that are going around around Brexit Day from the expats talking to the people who are still there. They're like, "Nice to know you, brother. It's been fun. <laughs> it's been real, but uh, yeah, you should have got out when you could." I and you know it says it uh, starts at 11 p.m. London time uh, tonight, and I <laughs> I recommend everybody in England today. Uh, well, actually, it'll be over by the time by the time this airs, but they should be watching The Purge for tips. <laughs> how to survive oh, I don't think it's going to be that bad but it ain't going to be pretty it ain't going to be pretty at all yeah. until next time I'm Brian Schulmeister and I'm Jason DeFilippo thanks for listening to Grumpy Old Geeks to support the show and keep us on the air go to GOG.show slash donate toss us a few bucks and we'll love you forever your support really keeps us going and keeps us on the air and we really really appreciate it show notes for this episode are at GOG.show slash 411 from there you can find links to old episodes leave feedback ask questions donate to the show and get links to stuff we like stay grumpy